0: This is Scott Becker with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. We're thrilled today to have great visitors with us today, great guests from the Gunderson Health System. Uh, we're joined today by Leah Shield, Masters in Nursing, registered nurse, clinical operations, she'll introduce herself more. Uh, we've also got Dr. Christine Waller, Medical Vice President, Acute Care and Acute Care Nursing and System Practices. Both with Gunderson Health System. They're going to talk today about how they're managing workforce and capacity challenges. They'll also talk a little bit about how they've worked with the WingTOS system in this area, the IQ for ORs. And they'll talk generally some about that. WingTOS is the sponsor of the episode, but they'll also talk more generally about workforce and capacity challenges, about their careers, what they're seeing, how things are evolving, and a lot more. Uh, Dr. Waller, can I ask you to take a moment to introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about your background, Gunderson, your role, and then we all ask you to do the same thing.
1: Great. Thank you for the opportunity to be here. I am Christine Waller. By trade, I am a trauma-critical care surgeon, and um, my other job is medical vice president over acute care, which includes the operating room, and I've been with Gunderson's health system for approximately 10
0: years. You've been there for ten years, and, and Leah, I, I know you've been there for twenty years. So between the two of you, we've got thirty plus years of magnificent experience at Gunderson. Leah, take a moment and introduce yourself, and then Dr. Dr. Wallert, some people are going to ask you about the stress of being a trauma surgeon and what that looks like today as well. Leah.
2: Yeah. Hi. Thank you. I'm Leah Shield. I'm the Clinical Operations Director of Surgery and Procedures here at Gunderson Health. Um, twenty years. I, nursing is my background. I have a master's in nursing and informatics. Um, and spent majority of my uh, career either leading or a part of surgery, and also had a stint as the director of quality. So have a interest in using data to drive improvement.
0: Phenomenal, before we get started, I'm gonna take one second to ask you a little bit more about each of your backgrounds. Dr. Warlock, tell us what it's like being a trauma surgeon. Just give us a sense of that. Is that very stressful? Is it exciting? Are are you still in the trauma? surgery perspective, is that still a part of what you do regularly? Talk to us about that for a moment if you don't mind.
1: Yes. So I still practice as a trauma critical care surgeon, and I will say that it's a very rewarding job. It can be stressful at times, t- taking care of pediatric patients, taking care of loved ones maybe in their last, um, last time alive but I feel a great sense of reward. I love connecting with families and patients. So taking care of very sick patients is what I do on a regular basis. I still do practice. I am uh, 60% administrative, but I am 40% clinical practice.
0: Amazing, and we uh, talk about this commitment to lifelong learning and, and sort of when you started to get more deeply interested in data analytics, informatics, and, and how you sort of leaned into that.
2: Yeah, I was working in the operating room, and at the time, my director of the OR um, tapped on me and said, hey, I've got some projects I think you'd be um, a fit for in quality, um, and so I got into the quality space and actually became part of the quality team as a, we, we call them QIRNs here at Gunderson, um, and I was the QIRN for surgery and um, got really into driving improvement with the use of data and um just has been building on that for the remainder of my career and um, just love using that data, making meaningful information out of it and helping people to see how they can contribute to uh, the goals.
0: We talk a lot about systems still having tremendous trouble with staffing. seems to be getting a little bit better this year, but it's really been a challenge the last few years and in the long run, shortage of staffing and capacity, huge challenges. What are some of the things that Gunderson's doing to deal with capacity and staffing challenges? And can you talk about what's going well, what are some of the things where you see some wins and what are the things that you're still working on?
2: Uh, Yeah, I, this is Leah and I can certainly take a a stab at it here. Um, It absolutely is a big challenge for everyone um, in healthcare. Um, Our main goal is to really improve access to our OR and maximize the amount of patients we can care for in our prime time hours. So, that Monday to Friday between seven and five essentially, which is better for patients and for our staff um, as improving our prime time utilization and predictability in our OR schedule also improves our staffing patterns um, and reduces the number of cases that we need to do on call and on off shifts, which are harder to staff and more expensive, less desirable um, for people that work here. Um, So this also increases our ability to discharge patients earlier and avoid hospitalization whenever possible. Um, And so that kicks in then to hospital staffing and patient bottlenecks that get created. Um, So really focusing efforts on improving primetime utilization, getting as many patients taken care of during the day hours that we can during the week um, is really a big goal that we've been um, hard on for the last year and really have seen a lot of success with that.
1: Yeah, so I'm going to add on to that, Leah, Um, something else that we have done is really engaging the frontline staff, the the frontline nurses and physicians that are taking direct care of these patients, they're the ones that hold the ideas. And I know for a fact, Leah has meetings with her frontline staff every single day. And we do leader walk arounds and being able to really listen, because we firmly feel here at Gunderson that our frontline staff that are doing the work have the answers, they have the answers to help us launch into the future and taking time to listen, to plan, to hear their stress points, understand where they see things and their perceptions also helps engagement and retention.
0: Thank you. Dr. War. let me ask you to to tee this question up. Challenges and opportunities in the perioperative space. Can you share what you're seeing and examples of, of what you see in the perioperative space?
1: Yeah, so part of our challenges, as Leah stated, was trying to get the patients in the prime time, being able to come in. Well, that does bring up some challenges as patient throughput through the preoperative area. Um, We have had some bottlenecks in that area and even within our own PACU. But in addition to that, um, some challenges that we saw was that our increase in emergent and urgent cases has steadily climbed. And... Prior to this year, this past nine months, we did not have a, a block or a operating room that was available for our acute care surgeons. And through Leah's health and visualization and the perioperative governance, that, that has come to fruition. We've been able to, to now maximize that block. So that has been very, very key. I was trying to get through that challenge of how can we take better care of patients and get access to the operating rooms.
0: And we are. Would you like to add on to that?
2: Yeah, absolutely. That that's been our prime goal. Is at a given day, 30% uh, roughly of our patients are same or next day um, acute cases and emergent cases. So creating that space um, in our schedule so that we aren't backing up electives and that we are able to absorb um, what's coming in um, acutely is really a huge. Um, asset to be able to get our patients in and really focusing on moving outpatient surgeries into our outpatient centers as much as we possibly can to to accommodate that.
0: Thank you. And and, and William, maybe I'll start with you here. In terms of technology, using technology to sort of work on capacity and staff challenges to improve throughput, to, to sort of make sure things are well utilized more efficiently, what are you seeing in the technology area and, and describe what you're doing, what works, and what are what some of the outcomes you see with using the technology in these areas?
2: Yeah, so um, it really starts with, to Dr. DeWaller's point, um, with our daily huddle process in our weekly paragraph of governance team meetings that we view the, the tools that we have now available, the data, and are really looking at, on a micro level, our day-to-day how did the patient flow go? We're looking at the next five days out, planning how it will go, and then trends over time. Um, and that's really been an advantage for us to be able to improve our primetime utilization and to really um, use the Lean Toss program to open up access in our operating room schedule. So those previously kind of what we call white spaces on your surgery schedule, time that was left over on a block or that could have been released, but wasn't um, and otherwise may have sat there. That now is um, in an open marketplace where surgeons and their schedulers can go in, use that time and get patients um, in sooner um, and then making good use of that prime time again, um, plus getting patients in that may have had to wait or would have had to alternatively be done off hours or, or outside of normal prime time hours. Um, so those those are really two big key points that we've seen huge success with is um, the time that is released. We're, we're happy to report about 50% of that is being repurposed and picked back up by our surgeons, which really contributes to the increases in utilization that we've seen in our hospital OR by as much as 12% um, between 2022 and 2023. So we've had immense success making uh, use of time that was there um, and just wasn't being fully realized.
0: And and Dr. Waller, let me ask you a follow-up question to that, because one thing that happens is when patients get in sooner for surgery or for their procedures, that must both increase patient satisfaction tremendously, patient experience tremendously. It must also improve, if you get people in in regular sort of working hours, that must also greatly improve the quality of life for surgeons, nurses, staff, and everybody else. Can you comment under the moment uh, for a moment on how important it is, not just the numbers utilization, but the actual patient experience and clinical experience?
1: It is so important for us to be able to serve these patients and getting them in, like you stated, during, I will say, more daylight hours, so to speak, is critical because if we can get a patient in and we can take care of them sooner, it does increase their quality of life. They're able to go home potentially during the day. When we send patients home later at night, we do see increased falls as a trauma surgeon. I I have taken care of patients that have been released later. What we also note is that if we can take care of patients during the day, optimize their surgery time, be able to get them home if it's an outpatient surgery, then we don't have them staying in the hospital for nearly a long time, that then we can take care of someone that may also be sick. So we're able to optimize our surgeries, get the patients out, be able to bring additional patients that need help in, and it's really full circle. I really like to focus on the patient aspect of it because as healthcare providers and um, serve, we like to serve, we like to serve our community, we like to serve our patients, and really understanding that this is patient-driven and patient-focused is key. We also know that there are certain disease processes. If we take too long in getting somebody to the operating room, it can also shorten their life. So really having a very fast track and how we utilize the data and get the patients into the operating room is key.
0: Dr. Wall, let me ask you this question. When you adopt new technology in in, in sort of this kind of technology that sort of really helps the logistics of the ORs, in this case the IQ for ORs from from lean toss. Is that something where there's a lot of attention paid at the physician level? Is it paid at the nurse level? Is it paid at the administrative level? And and how do you sort of navigate that change management? And and who needs to be on board with sort of really improving and accelerating the, the way to use the system? I mean, I mean, Leah mentioned, I think it's converting 50% of open spots, improving utilization by 12%, 14% goes a huge way towards improving margins, everything in the health system. But but who has to be involved in those decisions? How does that change management work? Any thoughts on that?
1: Yes, that's a great question. So I will say all the above. Uh, everybody needs to be involved in it, from the nurses, pre-op, post-op, surgical nurses, surgical techs, the surgeons. The managers, um, administrators on a a very large level and um, as healthcare providers, as a healthcare institution, and we are very focused on um, data and outcomes and as surgeons, to get the surgeons on board, we're all pretty competitive lifelong learners that are focused on outcomes, also. So, being able to see that change management was really, and that change culture and managing that was huge. We do have a perioperative governance where we have surgeons from certain specialties sit there. The pre op, post op manager is there. Leah, as clinical operations director, is there. Um, the VPs over this is, um, are also present. And we have a well, Um, attended weekly meeting. So we talk about all of this information and then guidelines were developed regarding the utilization, how it flows, what it looks like. These guidelines were then presented at a quarterly chairman meeting. So every surgery, anybody that uses the operating room, um, their chairman can attend a quarterly meeting and we go through all of the data, all the outcomes, we put the guidelines up. We ask for feedback and being able to then get that momentum for culture change. In addition, what really helps individuals, so like myself as a surgeon, is IQ um, will send us a monthly report of our, of our operating room utilization. It also sends our length of time for an operative case, and we're able to compare ourselves to our colleagues, which we all are a little bit competitive, um, which I would say actually helps us in the end for the change. And it's pretty hard to argue with data when it's objective, and they can see it right in front of them.
0: Thank you very, very much. Leah, do you want to talk also about change management, implementing these types of systems? In the old days, physicians had blocked time, and they'd all be crazy about their blocks, but often not used. I mean, This must just be a game changer in terms of running operating rooms with efficiency, plugging in spaces that open up. I know systems have gotten so much better about calling their patients. And reminding their patients, you have surgery this day, this procedure that day, you know, to make sure they show up and so forth. But this must just be a game changer. because There's always going to be a certain amount that end up rescheduling and having to postpone. And this must really help in terms of not having those spaces go to waste and having to have those spaces turn into nighttime spaces. Tell us a little bit about how this has helped and, and, and how you managed to change with your teams.
2: Yeah, absolutely. it's really has been a a game changer. Um, It allows the surgeons and their schedulers an easy route to find available time in the OR without phone calls, lost pieces of scratch paper, um, having to uh, promise your firstborn to somebody to get time. Um, New surgeons, especially um, with less block, they generally come in and have less block, they're able to pick up time, use that data to demonstrate their need for more time because we've really baked um, the IQ concepts into our block guidelines. So it's very clear what performance expectations are and what we need to see in order to maintain and or accrue time. And I think that because the data is so timely, it is so simple to get, um, that's really been a big key and part of the change management process is that we've really strengthened our relationships um, with the clinics. So in the in the OR space, my scheduling team and the scheduling team that works in the with the surgeons in the clinics we get together on a monthly basis. We review how things are going. We talk through uh, situations that were difficult or that people can learn from. Um, and when a surgeon sends an email about you know, my data doesn't look right, or I have a question, or why did, why didn't this look like this? Um, I'm able to reach out to a team member from, from lean toss. If I don't have the answer and, you know, we either fix if there is an issue or we are able to answer the question really timely. And that goes a huge way in building the trust with the surgeon that this data is actually accurate. And if it's not, it's going to be taken care of, or an explanation will be, will be provided. So that trust, um, in the data is, is also, I think, really important part of, of getting the buy-in for the surgeons and the scheduling staff to really use the tool to its full capacity.
0: Uh, thank you very, very much. I, 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 I want to thank the both of you, Leah Schild, Dr. Christine Waller, um, quite frankly, Wingtoss as well, uh, IQ for ORs for joining us today in Gunderson Health System, great, great health system in Wisconsin for joining us today. I want to ask you the the very tough question. You've both been in Wisconsin for a long time and for our national audience, you might understand this, but Wisconsinites traditionally have a bad term for Illinois people. I'm an Illinois person, but but Christine and Leah, you never use that term, correct?
1: Never. (laughs) I'm from Illinois originally, so no, I do not. (laughs)
0: Right. And, 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 and so you don't get called that either. You might not after enough years there in Wisconsin. But anyways, what a pleasure to visit with both of you. I, I thank you so much for joining us. What a pleasure. Thank you very, very much. And and thank you, of course, to LeanTos, Magnificent System. Thank you very much for joining us.
1: Thank you. Thank you very much.